what it is. They're a ragtag bunch of renegade crazy people. But there's just something about how they do life, how they do community that we just want to, not to replicate in its fullness, because we need to contextualize what God does in our culture and the DNA in the down path, because it's a very, very different town. But, uh, and we need to do that. But there's just something about when you come in, we really appreciate it. And, you know, I just want to say, John mentioned there about a couple of things. We had, yesterday we had our, our cross-guard event. And, I mean, it was, it was fantastic. It was good getting into a town that actually we're not very, very well known in. It's a bit like going into maybe Randallstown or somewhere close, close by. And, you know, when we started off going, uh, obviously when we started off in Journey, going into Down Patrick, people were suspicious, wild beyond belief. Some ways they still are, but uh, they, it may be a bit more of a healthier suspicion. But when we went in, people now weren't expecting what, what was going on in terms of blessing and doing outreaches and, and, and just going where people are at. And yesterday when we went in the cross guard, we found out there was this, that same sort of skepticism on what's this church about because they're not used to, to churches coming and meeting people where they're at. I'm not saying that ch- churches are doing whatever they're doing in the way they can and the capacity they can, but there's something that as we, you know, and we, we want to just say thank you for, you know, there's a group of people in Down Patrick, which we actually probably have a bit of FOMO at the moment, obviously not being there, but we want to thank you. We want to thank this church on behalf of the resource that you've put in because there is something shifting in, in the culture and down Patrick. There's something shifting in the surrounding areas that people are now not only expecting communities to, and churches to reach the community where they're at, but they're actually welcoming it. And it's something that we just, we know we keep faithfully plowing the ground and we do that. And, and we hope that a resurrection lift happens with other churches as well, that we begin to see the kingdom of God come in the ways that, that as culture changes, we do that. So it's just been really, really cool. And I do want to say, like John says, there's the, the 33,000 pound thing. That scares the life out of me, by the way, because, you know, you know yourself when a building comes, something happens. And I'm like, there's a wee bit of a, a time gap between when we get into the building. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because there's a lot that has to happen. And I just want to say again, just thank you because the resource, this, this church is phenomenal at resourcing people other than themselves. You know, one of the things just as I was praying, I felt like the Lord says your reserves will never run dry. Your reserves will never run dry in this church because of how you give. Supernaturally, it's just something where you give and, and, and God will always provide. And I, I just believe that not only for, for Journey Down Patrick, but that will, that will increase and beyond. And there's something that has developed in the ecosystem here that you guys just have crazy wild faith. And, and it actually, it scares me a bit because when that happened with our building, I thought I didn't have faith for that. And then the Lord's like, now you know who's in charge, you know? And it's one of those things that I go, okay. So I, we, we feel the, the, the covering, we feel the blessing and the, you know, being part of the team here, it's been, it's been quite incredible. So we just want to say, say thanks for that. So yeah, we get to finish off our, our Ecclesia series. And today I really just wanted to look at how as a church, we're called to model healthy family. We're called to model healthy community to the world around us. And if you've, if you've got your Bible on this, I want you to go to Matthew chapter five. We're going we're gonna to pick at that a bit today as well. And we'll, we'll jump across a couple of different things, but... I don't know about you, but has anybody been following the, the famous court case that's going on right now between Johnny, or I would probably say uh, Captain Jack Sparrow and a lady from Aquaman, right? You know, there's something going on right now where we're seeing, you know, two very, you know, famous people, but also two very, I guess, toxic people who, you know, are airing their laundry to the whole world. I mean, if you don't have to look on the BBC News, every news channel, you're seeing that this is a famous court case that's going on, and it. As I looked at it, I really feel like the Lord was saying, it's painting a picture that, you know, marriage, it's portraying a picture that marriage is just too messy. 
marriage, it just, it costs you too much money and the other person's out to get you. In fact, it's just simply not worth it. And I really felt like as I was praying into it, that the Lord was showing that there's two people that are seeking a course of justice when really they should be seeking a course of healing. And we're saying that I really want to encourage us to, to continue to pray, to pray into that. But I really feel like the Lord was saying, we need to, as a church and as a community, in this moment, in this time of culture, we need to really go after making sure that healthy marriages are shown and that healthy community and relationships are shown. In, culture, in a culture that says, you know, let's chuck each other under the bus, in a culture that says every man and person for themselves, in a culture that says man and woman are against each other, I actually really feel like the Lord wants you and I to, to raise up a people who model unity in community and what it looks like. So salt and light and leaven are three things that I want to look at today. There are three metaphors that, that Jesus, you know, unpacks to, to explain about the kingdom. There's obviously a lot more as well. But uh, in Scripture, you'll see, I'll start, with, I'll start with leaven. I'll start this way. As you look through Scripture, you'll see that there's three types of leaven. Some of you all, you all already know this, but there's, there's the leaven of Herod, which is the political system where human beings are at the center, where they seek to be in control of everything. You have the the religious system, which is the Pharisees, and that's where God is at the center, but actually he's impersonal and powerless. And then there's the kingdom. And this is where it's about God's manifest presence and rule here on the earth in the here and now, and where we actually find the acts and traces of his presence in everyday life. And it's then when we see the power of God that breaks forward that actually it's maybe where somebody gets healed, where somebody gets saved, where somebody gets delivered, where there's provisions of, of crazy provisions of finances for buildings. You know, even in this past month, we've had people come to know Jesus and down Patrick, and it's just been incredible how God has been doing things. And these are the things that we celebrate because they've got the kingdom of God written all over them. There's plenty of things going through your head where you go, there's just something when, you know, when uh, God brings a man and woman together in marriage, there's just something about that the kingdom of God is written all over that. In fact, as we'll look maybe later on as well in Isaiah 60, it, you know, it talks about, Arise and shine, for your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, but for, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, but deep darkness the people. And what's really, really interesting is that word deep darkness actually means to be heaviness, a loneliness, it's, it's like a depression. And, and when we see somebody who where they maybe have deep darkness on their mind, where they have deep darkness or heaviness, and then they all of a sudden get breakthrough, they get healing, or they, something is corrected on the inside. And it's like that is when we see the display of the kingdom of God. I know in this church, we have incredible ministry where we begin to see people set free internally in ways that actually has an outward expression. It's in that we see the kingdom come in us. There's, not only do we see the kingdom of God come in external ways, but the kingdom of God comes in internal ways and and when that happens, and when we see the kingdom of God demonstrated, it's like the leaven that gets worked into the, the lump of dough. It's like the, the leaven that gets worked into the dough of culture, the dough of society. When, when we hear those stories, when we see, you know, somebody gets breakthrough in an area or somebody comes up, and we've had plenty of services where people come up here and they share, you know, a, a breakthrough they got in their life. And it just spreads like wildflower. It's something about when a testimony is released that infiltrates a culture and a community. And almost if it gets, you know, expected and it gets encouraged and all as well. So um, I don't know if anybody watched the, the big match last night. Yeah, a lot of you will know I'm a, I'm a big Liverpool fan. I knew some people in this church were saved. I know there's maybe, I know there's a couple of people, I'm not looking at anybody specifically, maybe Mikey Arthur's a big man said, I know. Um, I know, well then there's the United fans popping up too, so. Um. <laughs> 
Yes, look, I, I had this in my sermon before, so I wasn't changed. I was sticking to my guns. I thought, regardless of the result, I'm going for it, okay? So that's, that's what we'll do. But if anybody watches Liverpool, obviously, or, or any football matches, you know the managers have a big, big part to play. And I, Jurgen Klopp is my man crush. I mean, I love Jurgen. I, sometimes I just watch the matches to, to watch Jurgen on the sideline. You know, there's just something about the man that oozes, you know, charismata and, and, and just, you know, the leadership capacities. But the reason the point is, it's really interesting. If you watch, you know, the post-match interviews uh, in these games and when the, when the reporters are trying to ask the players, you know, oh, well, what about this slip-up? Or when they, when they try to pin the players against each other or they try to, you know, create a bit of a division within the team, you'll see that there's such a togetherness, there's such a, a team spirit, there's a lack of the solo ranger, there's actually this idea where we build up the teammates, we, we keep going back the team. And obviously this is a very biased point of view because I love Liverpool. But as I was looking at this, I just thought, this is, there's something really interesting about this. It looks like Jurgen Klopp is getting a lot of his leadership values from the kingdom. There's this idea of actually we build each other up, we, we're for each other, that yes, we, we, we run the race, we, we persevere, we take everything in its stride, the next thing. But actually, what we're beginning to see, you know, Jurgen, I don't know if you know, is a, is a, is a Christian, and there's a couple of senior, you know, footballers and, and players in Liverpool that are also Christians. And I am making this up, maybe it's not true, but I feel like there's just something happening in that team where the, 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 the belief systems and the, the togetherness of the team is beginning to infiltrate the, the, the wider team, even if they don't uh, profess of faith in Jesus. Now, I do believe the Lord is going to let me meet Jurgen Klopp. I really do. Maybe that's just my grand old. I just believe it. You know when you just have that thing in you, I'm like, I'm going to meet him. Even if I have to be that crazy fan that jumps a fence, I'll do it. <laughs> but I, I'm going to ask him, and I really would love to get a master class sitting down and go, he actually spoke about leadership recently, and he says, I'm no good at it. And there's just something about, you know, when the gift of callings of God are irrevocable, and they're just on someone, you know. And I know some of you may be going, well, Pep Guardiola's better and all these people, right? You know, the Lord loves them too. But there's just something about, <laughs> there's just something about you. And I go, man, I love him, you know. And uh, it's, it's great. But the reason I say all of that, because when those belief systems, when those, you know, the, the things of the kingdom that, that, that begin to infiltrate a, a team or a culture or, or a community like this, I believe it's the same thing with the power and the presence of God. It's the same thing with the supernatural. You see, for a long, long period of time, you can, you can look through church uh, history and, you know, particularly even for in this island, you know, we, we only have to look too far back in 1859 and we, we always talk about revivals and so on, but we often can attribute the moves of God, the power of God to, to foreign soil, where we look at, you know, missionaries who've been, they give up everything and they, they, they see the power of God providing crazy finances or the miraculous or whatever it may be, the kingdom of God that we just talked about comes in powerful ways. And, you know, what we're beginning now to see in, in church, not only in this island, but in, you know, and we have a lot of guys from the States as well, is we're beginning to see that it becomes common to believe that actually God can move today, that the kingdom of God can come. I mean, we only have to walk in the door. I think that was one of the things that sold us and Down Patrick's. We walked in and it was like pigs could fly in here. And we just thought, this is the thing that we, you know, we don't quite get it. God is, is beyond the boxes that we put him in. And, and that begins to infiltrate, you know, to the point now where we, even in this church and other churches, believe everybody gets to play a part. Everybody gets to come and minister in the power of God because it's by his grace that we begin to move. And that's like leaven. 
When, when, a, when, a, when a community and a culture, you know, experience the power of God and they believe it's by His grace, they have a reorientation. The, the, the ambitions, the, the, the desires and the, the perspective of a community shift because they go, that's the thing we go after. We camp around the presence of God, the manifest presence of God that comes and transforms us from the inside. It's like this, the desire begins to spread. But what's really, really interesting is this can actually work for us or against us. For all of you, I don't, I don't bake, by the way, right? But so this, you know, you'll, you'll catch my flaws, but Hannah, Hannah loves to bake. And I had to actually ask her, was, does this make sense? Um, but anybody bakes bread of any kind, you'll know that once, you know, you take all of your ingredients and you, and you take the, the, the rising agent or the yeast agent, whatever it may be, and you work it into the dough, and then you put it in the oven, you'll know that the heat and moisture uh, with the dough creates a reaction that causes it to rise, right? It's when the heat and then the, the cooking instruction that comes, it begins to rise the dough. But do you know the same thing happens on the inside of you? That when you find yourself in the heat of a moment, when you find yourself in the fire of difficulty or the trials of a certain season, that it causes us to something to rise or trigger on the inside of us, whatever we have. You see, remember, there's three types of leaven. There's the political system, religious system, or the kingdom. And how many of you know whatever you've got most on on the inside of you will actually uh, begin to rise in those times of difficulty? Now, God doesn't do it to, to shame us. He doesn't do it to, to, to hold up the mirror to go, you know, look, this is what's wrong with you and leave us it there. You know, he doesn't, just doesn't show us the trouble. He does it to show us what we're made of. What are we made of as a church? What are we made of as a community? And now, he doesn't send it that our way to punish us because we do a good job of that ourselves, right? But he does it to grow us. He does something where he wants to lead us to a place where we can see what's spoiling our batch. What's spoiling our batch? Now, we don't like looking at what spoils our batch, right? We like looking at everybody else's batches and going, that's what's wrong with yours, right? But too many Christians have been sold, and I believe even in our culture, we've been sold a Christianity that promises a comfortable life. But we miss the opportunity for a breakthrough. We miss, you know, because we're too busy blaming Satan for the things he's not doing or our church leaders for something that's not their problem, right? Or we, we hop from church to church or we, we go the lonely road because we've been sold a Christianity that says, you know, you can get to the mountaintop by yourself. You can do this on your own. Can I tell you something? That is actually not of the kingdom. It's actually, I believe, from the demonic because it seeks to divide the church. It seeks to divide this community. So maybe you've been sold. You go, I'll go. If you're here and you're looking at a perfect church, keep looking. Can I tell you something? And they're going to be watching this, so they'll hold to me account. But Down Patrick are crazy too. It's not just here. But can I tell you something? The church, whether it's, you can't have its, you know, its great parts without its warts. And there's something about real community because remember in our Instagram, you know, perfect culture, it creates, you know, it's creating, this is what community should look like. It's idolizing a fantasy that isn't real. And many of us come to churches going, we want a perfect church community, but it doesn't exist. And what we have, we actually have the luxury, we actually have the, I would like to say the privilege to be able to give into a community that's not perfect. Instead of actually coming in and going, do you know what, this is, this is a community with all its warts and all its problems, you know, it's easier to tear down than it is to build up. It's so much easier to, to be part of the problem instead of the solution. But actually, you and I are not called to emphasize the problem. We're here to help be part of the solution. So we might be, you know, I, I don't know a lot of people here as well, so I don't know where you're coming from, but, you know, we cannot afford to just keep going from church to church to church. We've got to decide, are we going to dig deep? You know, John Ash may trigger the life out of you, Right? or anybody else in this church, thank God for them because they're showing you what is in your batch. 
And we have to be willing to be mature as believers that, you know, we are sanctified and we are set apart and we are made new. But can I tell you something? That is also a process. And we get to thank God for actually the things that have obstructed us because it makes us stop in our busy culture and go, how can I grow so that the kingdom of God can come on the inside of me? And if we as a church, we as a community, we have to decide that we're going to go, we're going to pave the hard yards because when we pave the way with the hard yards, we actually pave a way for the kingdom of God for others to encounter it. You know, we, we go to Antrim, we go to the surrounding towns and, and we, if we're not willing to walk the narrow as a road and gate that leads to life, then very few find it. How are we going to expect anybody else to find it? So what, what's the point? Back to, back to salt and light. If you, if you want to go to Matthew 5, 13 for me, we're going to read on from there, okay? We're just going to read a couple of verses. It says this, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Verse 13, it says, you are the salt, you want to underline, underline salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now, it is good to look at this passage or this particular verse and see that actually salt was used to preserve. We are as a community, as a church, as the ecclesia called to preserve the values, the, the belief systems of the kingdom in our society. You know, as you know, I know there's been a lot of series going on that have looked at actually, you know, cultures changing the speed of knots and, and there's this, you know, I would say a moral pandemic where everything goes and, and you know, you know, truth is shifting in a, in, a, in a crazy speed of knots as well. But we actually have to preserve. We have to know what are we as a, as a church? What are you as a believer made of? We have to have something on the inside of us that, that knows I'm not here to please people or to please culture, but I'm here to see it transformed. And there is something where we have to decide, am I going to preserve the, the values of the kingdom on the inside? We have to do that. But Jesus said, if the salt has lost its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? Most of you in, in this room you know, unless you're allergic to it, but you'll have salt and pepper in, in, your, in your, your cupboard right or on your table. Remember, salt or pepper, I'll start with this, pepper changes the flavor of a meal. Salt enhances it. And the important thing to realize is as Ecclesia, as a church, uh, when we talk about being salt, it's actually that the church's mandate to add flavor. It's to add flavor to what already exists in our community. I mean, I love that we, we go where church always goes. We don't want to, you know, we don't hold much of our resources. We hold our hands lightly and we want to we wanna go and we want to add, you know, to our communities and what God's already doing, whether it's through we service or whatever it may have been. But think about it. Not all community initiatives or medical inventions or creative designs actually come from believers. Think about it. Not everything that usually innovates society or, or transforms how we do life. You know, look at you right now. How many 20 years ago would be, you know, scanning, your phone would be scanning your face to open up. Not, not many of that stuff, you know, we'd, we'd be thinking of, but the innovations that come. Remember, Matthew 45, I think, says, you know, the Father causes the, his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. And I believe that if it all came just through church, that actually we would begin to think that the kingdom of God is limited to us. We would begin to, to think that we are at the center of everything that God just wants to come and give to us and actually wider society is not part of. And actually that's a big uh, belief system in a lot of churches. And, and what we would do is we would, we would limit the move of God to us. We would become arrogant and self-centered. But a huge part in becoming 
salt in a culture is that we would see God's value on the unbeliever before they placed any faith in Jesus. It's why we talk about in the series, people get to belong before they believe. That we as a prophetic people would look upon someone who maybe doesn't profess a faith in Jesus yet and we would see the value in them. And there's, just for the sake of today, I really believe there's, there's two types of value that we, we should see on, on someone else or we should give to someone else. The first one, if you're taking notes, is we are to see everybody created in the image of God. That in some way, despite their crazy brokenness, that actually they display an aspect of God's nature that no one else in the room does. And the second one is that everyone has been given gifts by God to give and to sow into his grand ecosystem of his kingdom, whether they know they're doing it or not. That's why I talked about my man, Jürgen. Whether they believe or they, they, they understand it's what they're doing, God comes and gives in a certain way. It's why we as a church, particularly in Journey and, and others, is we're called to be a prophetic people who, who celebrate and call out the gold and the value in another person. The, the value that God has placed on them, regardless if they do your head in or they, they trigger the life out of you, we are called to be a people. We don't have the luxury to, to just to highlight flaws. We actually are called to be a people that, that call that out. Whether it's telling somebody that you love how they smile, how they, the presence they bring into the room, whether it's the, the wisdom the, that they bring to a team, whether it's you know, just how they're kind-hearted or they guess the hospitality, whatever it may be, you know, the list is endless. It doesn't matter how you do it, but we as a church have to start being intentional to actually call you the gold and others. In Northern Ireland, we're not very good at that. We still have remnants of the us and them in our culture, but I really believe God is calling us to be a people where we can call out the gold and others even when they, we disagree to the help or actually they've offended us in a certain way. Because remember, salt enhances the flavor that's already in a person. It's already to enhance what is in, in our communities. Verse 13 goes on to say, but if the salt loses its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? What's really interesting is to lose its flavor in the original language actually means to be foolish. If you look at it in, in the Greek, it says it means to be foolish. So I'll ask you this. If salt without flavor is to be foolish, what is salt with flavor to be? Wise. So if salt without flavor is foolish, salt with flavor is to have wisdom. And as we talked about, as we have a culture where, you know, even with the, the, the Johnny Depp scenario, where we have a culture where there's an us and them and there's a, you know, unhealthy relationships, it begs us the question, how can we be wise in culture? How can we be wise in, in, our, in our relationships? And I really believe it's really simple, but really hard to do. It's actually to have the mind of Christ. Wisdom is to have the mind of Christ. First, Corinthians 1.30, it'll not come up, but it says this, it is because of him who is Christ that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom of God. How many of you know Christ is wisdom personified? We want to know what wisdom looks like. We look at the life of Jesus. When we want to see how wisdom is displayed in a culture and in a community, we look at Jesus. But I love how in Philippians 2, Paul says this, it says, let the same mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We have a mandate as a church, we have a mandate as believers to, to have the same mind of Christ, to, to instead of our, our busyness and our information technology age that are getting information from left, right, and center, we have to be a people that, we have to read our scripture. We have to spend time with other believers because how many of us know we're very good at reading the scripture but we want to be in there? Anybody else do that, Right? I could tell you how many times I read that Liverpool were going to win last night just by reading scripture, right? 
didn't happen. <laughs> but we need to be around other people because that, that's what it means that when we have the mind of Christ, not just in the way we want it, but actually with other people. So when you and I, we will maintain our levels of saltiness, when we remain connected to, to how God views, how Jesus views the, the people around us, how God views the, the, the communities and the culture that we're in. It's not just about giving somebody good advice about how they might do you know, their taxes or spend their money. Don't come to me, by the way, right? You, know, you, you want to go to Hannah, so you can tell you all about that. But you know, it's not just about giving the good advice that is, that is wisdom. It's, it's about being able to walk into a relationship. It's about being able to walk into a community or a culture and be able to, to see how God sees the scenario and then bring that into the scenario by, by prophesying in the scenario, by, by just bringing in what we think God's perspective into the community is. It's enhancing them for the better. It's not calling out, remember, our communities know where they mess up. People know, people are the own worst critics. They know, you know, there are times where they need confrontation and that will come as a relationship comes. But the why we do our I Hearts We Serves, whatever it may be, I've seen the, the flowers up for I Heart. We, we go and we meet people right because people need to look at the white in your eyes and go, actually, has Jesus transformed your life? What has he done to you? You know, we don't want to preach a double message, but one, one thing with our words, we say something, and then we're, our lives, we do another. And it's quite possible, I really believe it, because it's happened with us as well, it's quite possible that we can come in, or anybody can come into a community or an ecclesia that is so rich in flavor, so rich in the kingdom values, that they're actually changed by what they see. You, ever, you probably had it where you walk in, you go, there was something about that person. I don't know what it was. You know, Stacey, I think it was Stacey mentioned about her parents came and it was, I don't know what it is, but if that's what Christianity is about, you know, I, I'm more open to that. There's just something about in the room that I would love to see. Let me ask you this. Again, back on the salt. Anybody grew up and, you know, you maybe were a wee bit younger, maybe you still do this now, but you try to put salt on your, your, your fish supper and the lid falls off and all of a sudden it all just dumps on your Anybody, who still does that, right? You're not going to admit. I used to do that all the time until I just went off salt, right? And what we as a church like to do is we like to, we are the salt, by the way, and we're in a salt shaker. And what we like to do is we like to take the contents of the salt shaker and just dump it on the side of the, the, the plate. We just like to dump it all there. Why? Because we like, to, we like to be together. We don't like to be sprinkled around. We like to be, you know, just as, as one. We don't like to go, to go out where it's maybe unfamiliar and unknown. And the church at times is like that. But actually, we don't enhance, when you put salt on a, on, a, on a meal, you don't enhance it by dumping it all at the side. You enhance it by sprinkling it all over. You don't enhance you know, what's on the, on the other side of the plate by dumping everything on the other side and expecting somehow what's here to get to there. And you and I are the salt in that shaker. And in about a half an hour, because the time definitely goes a lot faster here in Andromeda here, but in a half an hour, we will leave and God is going to sprinkle all of us all over our communities. And in some way, we actually don't often realize it. But God has you in a sphere of influence. He has you in a community, whether you like them all or not, where he wants to use the way you do life, the way you live life, the way you love each other in a way, the way you use your words and your actions to speak to people, to bring life and a purpose, to bring a model to people in a culture that don't see any other, other way. And because you and I are salt, and our, actually our lives matter, we have a purpose, we're called to influence, we're called to enhance, we're called to build up, to make a difference. And he's designed you and I, he's designed church, remember, he has given the church, the ecclesia, the mandate to enhance what's going on in our communities. 
Yes, he wants to, to bring the kingdom of God here, but remember, he wants to bring it out there as well. And we're called to go. That's part of the Great Commission, but we're called to enhance. And not just to say, well, they're just the heathen. They're just the problem. Can I tell you something? That's actually lazy leadership. That's lazy discipleship. Just to say, do you know what? They're the problem. And we expect people in our communities to jump the fences, to jump the hurdles, to come and be where we're at. Do you know what? Anybody can do that. Anybody can just say, you need to come where we're at. But the church for far too long has been doing that. And what happens is people then don't make the move. And church and culture make a big, big divide. And right now we're at a stage as a church and a culture going, how do we begin to interact? Church are now asking the questions. I mean, you can only hear John's had to say many times, even with sexuality and marriage and all sorts of things, because they went and looked for their answers elsewhere. The church haven't been around. To, there's just been such a divide and such a spreading that actually we've, we've seen them as the problem. We've, seen, we've rejected culture. Christ never rejected culture, by the way. Do you know that? He moved in rabbinic, rabbinic culture. He, he came as a Jew. He was so, I mean, I look at Jesus and I go, he actually really is smart. But I look at how he did mission and how he you know, displayed what the church should be doing, and he went and engaged with culture in an incredible way. I don't want to go into too much into that because that's a bit of a sidetrack, but in verse 14, it says this. It says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do you get a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. For people in our community who are coming at a distance, for people in our community who don't come to, to our churches, how do you think, what, at what time of day do you think for a person it is best as a city on a hill could be seen? Does anybody know in a 24-hour period, when is it best to be able to see a city on a hill? At night time. Why? Because of the light. To the naked eye from a distance, you, a city on a hill is best seen at night time because of the light that it gives. Why? Because in the darkest places, it's in the darker, darkest sides of culture that light shines the brightest, particularly the kingdom. And when someone is so far off or when they're traveling towards a city on a hill, is they're usually going because they're looking with all sorts of needs, all sorts of desires. They're coming needing all sorts of fuel, shelter, and connection. And the people in our communities, they see us, and they come with all sorts of baggage. They come with all sorts of brokenness. Heck, we're all here with all sorts of baggage and brokenness, right? But they have come in with a desire that only God can, can meet, only God can fix. The light in us can actually satisfy and you, there is something that happens. There has to be something in you and I as a community that actually attracts people. There has to be something in how we do life together. It's not about the fancy buildings, although they're great. It's not about, you know, the, the bouncy castles and everything that we can bring, although, although we use them to bless. There has to be something in the way you and I do life with each other that models to them a way of life that they actually don't know what they're searching for. You see, what actually brings, what's more attractional? All, the, all the, the, the bouncy castles and the buildings, or is it actually how we do life together? Is there something the way, way you and I do life that actually they go, hmm, back to that, I don't really know what that is, but there's something I want. Hebrews 13, it'll not come up, but it says, 15 and 16 says this, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share, or in other words, have fellowship with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased by. You know, looking at really simply, there's three ways. We know that in times of difficulty, our worship to God is a sacrifice. You know, you don't worship him by how you feel. You worship him because 
it's true. You worship him because he is still the God who's on the throne even if you feel like your life's falling apart. And then when we give to other people, and whether it's financially or with whatever it may be, that that is also a sacrifice from, from our reserves. But how many of you know that fellowship with one another is also to be a sacrifice? Some of you here, you're like, oh, I know I'm in this church long enough, right? How we do life with each other is to be a sacrifice. You see, in our communities, sacrifice comes when we step beyond that which is convenient. Sacrifice comes when we step, take a step beyond what is comfortable to us, what is easy for us. It's connected to what we, what we can give in rather than what we can get out of it. And our sacrifice as a community goes beyond not only that convenience, but then it's at that point that our light shines. It's at that point when you and I, you know, in, in this church, and we, we give to each other beyond, we honor, we value, even when somebody talks behind your back, even when somebody, you know, says something, you honor them. And it's in that I believe that the kingdom of God is displayed. It's in that that actually the presence and the power of God can come. It's that when the anointing comes, when we choose to give a sacrifice, go, actually, I'm not going to treat you the way you treat me. You know, in our culture that is, you know, is obsessed with karma, it's obsessed with, you know, equal in the scales of, well, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. It's what they deserve. It's a place where as a community, instead of fighting against each other, we actually fight for each other. That is something that our communities are hungry for. And it's when in those moments that I really believe that when somebody comes in, they can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. We can say that the Lord's good. We can say and we can preach a certain gospel with, with our lips. But there's something about when we come with our lives and God, it's like he just, the light comes on. They, they come in and they, they watch how, you know, it's a bit like when you do families. It's, you know, for those who are learning to, to, to raise kids, they go along with those who are older than them and they just, they, they see it, they, 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 they grab hold of it. It's better caught than taught. A lot of this stuff is better caught than taught. And what happens is they spin around long enough whether they profess, you know, that they, they, they believe in Jesus or not. Something happens where they, they realize what they're looking for was a person all along. They see something in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and then the light goes on. Isaiah 6, he says this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. You and I are positioned to be that light. You and I, yes, it's the Christ in us, the hope of the glory that is that light, but God wants to sprinkle us all over our community so the people who are looking for that model of healthy relationships, they will see and taste what it looks like. God wants to use you and I as a people of honor and to have the greatest, you know, those with the greatest honor, I believe, will have the greatest influence in their communities. Those who have the greatest value for those you know, and call that out, it's like those with the greatest hope have the greatest influence. Those who can walk in this space and go, you know, call it out, it's in that moment that actually they can be leaders in a community. But are we willing to be leaders in our families? Are we willing to be leaders in here? And I, I'm not just talking about getting up here, by the way, because like John says, you, you, you think you want it and then all of a sudden you realize, no, that's not what I asked for. If, if, if you're here, by the way, and you know, leaders are here saying, oh, I see leadership in your life, can I tell you something? Run. It's a trap, right? Just run, okay? <laughs> it's because they're trying to do themselves out of a job. <laughs> you know, they're trying to get to the place of retirement and rest. We actually they don't have to be up 24-7, okay? It is a privilege, by the way. That's a joke. 
But there is something about how we do life. There is something about when we, we have to, I often say, if, if you don't, if the saltiness in you doesn't match the position you have, it'll destroy you. And too many of us are, are, are seeking to be places of influence, but we don't have the saltiness. Remember Jesus says, well, lots of saltiness. You'll just get trampled over. Culture will eat you alive. So what's, what's the point? I really believe that healthy community seen in the form of, of a city on a hill, you know, salt of the earth, light to lose in a room, it invites the power and the presence of God. When we display that, when we pursue that, it invites the presence of God. Why? Because the power and presence of God isn't just for an individual. It's for how we do life together. It's not, it's not touch. It's, not, it's like that secret sauce to an ingredient. You know when you taste the flavor of a meal and you go, mm, you know, like all you who love to cook curries and all that sort of stuff, there's just a wee kick, a wee flavor, and you go, that's it. That's it. It's that secret sauce that is light for the soul. It's, it's, it's grace. It's like it's not a heavy burden. And churches, it's, you just go in and you go, you know when you go in and you go, ooh, like I know John always talks about being in Bethel and different places, but you know when you walk into a place and you go, ah, oh, like somebody kicked my butt in there, but I felt really hopeful afterwards. Has anybody ever had that? You know your display, yeah, you know? If you don't leave a, a place where, you know, you have, we're corrected and you don't feel like there's hope, it, I maybe want to look that you weren't, you know, in a, in a conversation that was much about the kingdom. If we, we are due to have, we have to hold each other to account. We have to, you know, kick each other's backsides, but we do that in a place of actually there, there's hope. And there, there is a, a solution for our sin. There's, there's a savior for our problem, right? Now, when we give that sacrifice to each other, it's not like a, a legalistic formula. It's, it's something about like God's amen to, to our doing something that is, that is valuable for, for him. When we, when we honor each other, when we give to each other, it's like God comes in his power and his presence, not because we've earned it, by the way, it's his grace, but there's something about when we do that, the king of the, king of the impossible enters the room and we call each other out in honor. There's something about God comes and I don't understand it. I'm trying to get a theology for it, but can I tell you something? God comes. And suddenly we start hearing about all sorts of provisions, miraculous, you know, salvations, all sorts of breakthroughs because of how we do life together the provisions of buildings and so on. It's just, it, it could be quite crazy when we begin to, to honor and value each other that the power and the presence, the supernatural comes into an environment. The God of all the impossible steps into the room. And I believe the secret ingredient to that sauce is really simple. When it gets boiled down to everything, it's in John 13, 35. And it says, it is by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's the love that you and I have for each other that actually people out there will know, are you actually a Christian? For far too long in this country, and I know the words I'm in, they go, but you're no different. You know, somebody, I think it was maybe in the series, you know, the church is the only one that shoots their shoulders in the back. And actually, we have to, we go and we say, you know, come and join our gang. But a lot of people are like, I don't want to be in your gang because actually I think I'll end up worse. And how we do life and how we love each other actually will be a light to others. There's something about a sacrificial cur in a community that I believe ushers in revival. I believe if we can rid shame in our churches, if we can rid, you know, the, there's difference between critical thinking, by the way, and having a critical heart. Critical thinking looks to two sides of the coin, what's the good and the bad, but a critical heart will only look to tear down. 
And there's something about when we sacrificially care and give to another person that revival comes in, that it, I believe that it's not only contained here, but it'll spread in our communities because our communities, our families, and our, our, you know, even our young people are looking for some places of refuge, not only where they can belong for a moment and then be built up, but there's something that when they're, they're searching for, for that place where they can, they can come and go, actually, I can find refuge here. I won't be, I won't be torn apart. And I want to ask you, for Antrim, do you want to be the answer for that? You know, there's, I mean, Antrim's a big place and the surrounding areas where people travel from far and wide. In our cultures and our community, people are searching. If I can have the bank back up, they're searching and it requires us to make a sacrifice today. It requires us to go, do you know what? I'm not going to live how, how culture lives. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a line in the sand. I'm going to decide something on the inside of me that only you can decide. It will cost you everything to decide to go, I'm going to be someone who actually, when my culture, when my community decides, you know what, let's chuck each other under the bus. I'm going to decide, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to, to honor them. So what's the point? You're called to be, you and I are called to be light of the world. We're called to be a church that blesses, that adds flavor. And by design, God's called us to be that practical example to the power and the presence for our communities. So why don't you stand? Father, we... We as a, as a community, we as an ecclesia, would you do something so powerful on the inside of us as we decide this morning that, that we, would, we would be that light, we would be that city on a hill, that revival has to look like something. That as you do a revival in us, there is something that when we go out there, people see it. That if we're here today, I believe there's, there's people in the room who you feel like there's an evangelistic call in your life, but you don't have the words. See, if you don't have the words yet, go do it with your life. As we go, when we go as we are and model that so people they can see where, where they have so rejected. Do you know, when we go out on our outreaches, people don't want to come and join another religious system. You know, there's many people in our churches that are our communities that have no interest in Jesus, but they are interested in the peace that's in your heart. They are interested in how your kid respects you. Well, maybe rebels less than their own. But as we model that, there is something that can really happen. So Father, we pray, would you do something in us? Would you pray in this church, God, we thank you for what you're doing in Andrew. We thank you for what you're doing in Down Patrick. God, and we just pray, would there be, would there be more? God, will we be a community of honor? Will we be a community who would seek first your kingdom and our kingdom in each other? God, that, that we would hold each other to a higher esteem in Jesus' name.